With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For one more beer for me, exile means quality, so savagely. PHN Podcast, I'm John Miller along with Steve Dace to talk about uh, Iowa's 31-28 last second victory against Nebraska this past weekend. Iowa closes out the season 8-4 and four as usual. I've had my uh, instant reaction in the postgame. Steve, I'll let you offer up your thoughts on this game and I'm sure we'll delve a little bit more into the, the season that was and what may lie ahead. Well, I, I really thought you saw the future potential of Nebraska's program, which I think even though the criticisms we had earlier in the season were absolutely appropriate and still haven't been totally debunked. But I I think though, you know, we have a tendency, we live in this world today where it's it's essentially false binary choice America. I mean, and this, we do this on everything. I mean, every debate is choose your favorite cancer. And if you don't like the same cancer as me, yeah, uh, you just hate human beings, and so we go back and forth. And there, and you know, we used to have adulting where we drew distinctions, you know. And you know, I started arguing with a few of your fans on Twitter during the game, and realized some of them were were repeating back to me what I already think, and then arguing with me about it. <laughs> I think that's the definition of a feedback loop. Yeah, that's that's Twitter. That's Twitter. <laughs> and that's that's true. Um, and, and but I'd get this sometimes when I hosted a daily talk show as well is that distinctions, uh, you know, we just don't understand them or jump from one extreme to the other. I I still think it is highly problematic he will ever win a Big Ten championship playing football like this because I just think it puts too much stress on a defense week in and week out. Uh, And I think you, you, if you have athleticism in the back end of your defense, and, and the teams, the top teams in the East clearly recruit that way. Uh, or you can pressure them up front. And, you know, this is a uniquely gifted pass rushing Iowa defensive front where I think the got top two guys in sacks in the league were both on the Iowa team uh, in Nelson and Epinesa. You know, and that that can slow down any defense, any offensive scheme. It's just as Tom Brady, two of the best teams he ever played on, went to the Super Bowl and lost because the Giants were able to pressure them so much in, you know, with just their front four, that's an antidote to slow down any offense. But I also think you saw that in that division, which is, which is all made up of developmental teams. So what do I mean by developmental teams, teams that are, that are, are traditionally going to be recruiting outside of the top 25 in the country. And, and they're going to have to cycle up more often than reload. 
in that division against those kinds of teams that don't have that kind of athleticism, you make one game mismanagement call. And in tradition and probably against any other West Division team, it wasn't a bad call there to go for the fake field goal with that field position and try to and go for the the kill shot. But you have to understand when you're playing that kind of an offense, field position matters less than points do. Meaning poor field position is going to matter a lot less to a Scott Frost offense than it does a Paul Christ offense. It, and we know offense wants to start at the 10. It's just not nearly as cost prohibitive to the way Scott Frost wants to play as the way Paul Chris does. And that's why you got to put points on the board. You go up 31 to 13 there, you make it a three score game. And, and, and now you've got those, th- those uh, horses up front on the defense where they're really pinning their ears back now because they got to chuck and duck up and down the field. That changes the complexion of the game. Uh, and then all of a sudden, a game that Iowa looked like it was in complete control of now is going to overtime because you may, and I don't even know that you, to be fair, I don't even know it was a game mismanagement mistake. I don't necessarily think it was a terrible call. It just didn't work. So maybe we'll go with a miscalculation. Uh, you make one game management miscalculation. And with that style of offense, they're back in it real quick. Think of think of it this way. It's like Iowa basketball under Tom Davis. I remember watching an NCAA tournament game years ago, and y'all were playing, I think it was George Washington. Do you remember this game? And yes, I do. Like yep. 20 points with like eight minutes left or something like that and came back and won that game. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I do, uh, I do. I was at the game. I was a Michigan State student the first game after Chris Street died. It was is the player I'm thinking of Val Barnes who just went nuts in the last five he minutes. Did. He did. Okay. I was at that game. I was a student at Michigan State at the time. And that style of play, Iowa was never out of a game. It just was never going to win a Big Ten championship because when on the road, you don't get to speed teams up like that. You don't get the calls. But um, uh, you know, there was never a time where you were as an Iowa fan felt like you were out of a game because you had the kind of system that could get on a roll. And I I think that's a good analogy for what Nebraska football will be. I think it's going to overwhelm a lot of the teams in that division who uh, don't recruit elite athletes in the back seven and our developmental programs and just can't match up in space. But I, I, I'm not confident it will be a re it'll be a return to respectability and relevance. I, I don't know that you'll ever see a return to glory because I, I just think it puts too much strain on a defense to have to win 51 42 every week. And, and even when Joe Tiller was doing this to the big 10 in the early two thousands in the late 1990s, you know, the only time he won the league he won it with an eight and three record. He had probably the best quarterback in this conference, maybe ever. The argument could be made in Drew Brees. And, and it was a three-way tie for the championship, meaning it's the kind of formula that doesn't typically you don't you don't win too many Big Ten championships with three losses. Okay. So and in a three-team share. And I think the last time it had happened, Iowa was when we had the four-way tie in nineteen ninety. So that basically it happens like once a decade. That's not and 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 that and they and they manage that with, like I said, arguably the best quarterback in the history of our conference. So I don't I don't think you're they're gonna win a lot of titles that way. I do think they're gonna win a lot of games. I mean, I could, I could see them having a lot of nine and 10 win seasons. 
But I, I think they're going to really struggle to, to get over the hump and be a championship team playing that way. And so I thought you saw that. I thought you saw both the potential and the limitations of that system. Um, and, and, and then I think with Iowa, what you saw was, you know, it, it's hard when you exceed your season win total to say it was a disappointment and nobody knows more than the guys in Vegas do. And Iowa did exceed its win total, which was seven and a half, but it didn't get over the hump until the last play of the season on that field goal. And if, if, you know, I don't think anybody, neither you or I, nor anybody listening when the team was six and one thought we were going to be sitting here on the last play of the season for Iowa to get over its season win total. Right. So um, maybe unrequited love, unfulfilled promise, unsatisfactory, a meal that, you know, you're full, but you thought it was going to taste a lot better. And maybe that those are good ways to describe the season Iowa just had. Yeah, I mean, I picked them eight and four, and I've had them beat Nebraska. So I expected them to get their eighth win in the final game of the season. You had them nine and three. Did you expect that a month ago? Uh, when they were six and one, no. I thought, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that 10 or nine at that point in time was probably going to be the low. Like I, Michigan finished 10 and two, which is exactly where I predicted them. But it ain't, it ain't, I don't feel like it's the 10 and two I, I was thinking we were going to get uh, like a month ago either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, they hit the expectation I had in August. So I think you and we, here's what I think you guys like you and I need to do, who are both fans and analysts. From an analytical perspective, Iowa did what you thought they were going to do. I thought nine and three. Okay. As a fan, though, seeing where this team was at a month ago, I, I don't think you're you're a terrible person if you weren't or if you're disappointed by eight. Game day prep represents everything that is special about college football. Show that you're a true fan by wearing your school's traditions. Get 20% off your order at gamedayprep.com with code Bigger10. B-I-G-G-E-R-1-0. Game day prep for the true fan. Here's my thing on that, and it's always been my thing on that. I can both be disappointed with a eight and four finish after a six and one start, the fan mm-hmm. in me can be disappointed with that. But the analyst in me reminds myself, John, there's a reason why you thought they'd go eight and four in the first place. Yeah. There were elements to this team that led you to believe they likely wouldn't be consistent, that they likely wouldn't win all of the games you thought they would. There would be one in there you probably thought they wouldn't win to arrive at an eight and four soup. And while I can be disappointed that they were playing so well offensively at six and one and their defense was a bit of a revelation statistically and by and large held up much of the year, there's still that reason why I thought they were going to be eight and four. There were too many question marks. There were question marks on the offensive line. I think the offensive line uh, in a final reckoning was about what I thought they'd be a little better pass blocking and worse at run blocking. Not oftentimes I say that in the Ferentz era. Typically, it's the reverse. This offensive line struggled to run. This offense was more of a pass first. And then at times, they looked like they had things figured out. At other times, we're debating whether or not Noah Fant um, should have at least 15 to 20 more snaps per game. And we still don't have the answer for that. The defense, my primary concern in the defense, in addition to having three first year starting linebackers for the first time in the Ferentz era was how would Iowa stop the run on the interior of the defensive line? Well, there were a couple of times this year where that reared its ugly head and caused problems for Iowa. The one that comes to mind first and foremost, not counting Wisconsin because you assume Wisconsin's going to run on everyone, is the Northwestern game. 
mm-hmm. with Bowser from Sha Na Na doing what he did. He's not an, he's not a talented running back by Big Ten standards. I don't know that he'd start for any other Big Ten team other than the one that he's on. But they went inside. They hit Iowa where Iowa didn't have as much lead in the pencil in an area of concern that I had before the season. So you hit those two areas, areas of concern before the year, and there was a game at least where both of those areas reared up and caused problems. But I would say this also. Football is mostly about execution. Obviously, if you're... I don't know, Kansas, you know, you got to have some Jim, Jimmy's and Joe's. Iowa's got a great developmental program. So they've got the pieces as long as they don't get injured. If they get injured, you turn into Michigan State this year. But against Wisconsin, if you don't fumble a punt on the Wisconsin 47, the way your offense is playing and averaging eight yards per play at that juncture, you might get points before the half with three minutes to go. Also in the second half, if you don't, if 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 you yell out Peter Peter Peter, and your teammate gets away from the ball and doesn't touch it, Wisconsin recovers on basically the Iowa ten yard line. You probably don't give up that touchdown. You don't lose that game against Penn State. Your first and goal at the three yard line, a touchdown takes the lead after you've been outplayed, and you throw an inexplicable interception. That's not a coaching decision. And then against Purdue. Nate Stanley executes a pulls off a perfect Statue of Liberty fake. Has TJ Hawkinson more wide open than any receiver he'll ever throw to in his entire life. Makes a 25-yard throw with his blindfold on, usually can make that, except he overthrows him by 20 yards. Three plays, basically. The, the, the Sean Byer running into the punt against Wisconsin. The mind-numbing interception on first and goal of the three at Penn State. And the blown opportunity on the T.J. Hawkins, three plays, they, those go differently. I think Iowa may win all three of those games. Or certainly, you know, I mean, Penn State, who knows if they would have come back. But I'm just saying, things come down to execution, too. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I'm disappointed that Iowa finished 8-4 and four after starting 6-1. and one, But I believe that the reasons why I thought they'd go 8-4 and four actually showed up and led to that 8-4 and four record. I don't dispute any of that. I, I think a lot of this that goes on that, that creates negativity with fan bases. And it's, it's funny when I left sports talk radio full time to do news talk radio, I thought it was going to be a massive transition and I got a couple of years into it and I realized I'm doing the same show. I used to always do. It's just the teams are called Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, it's the same tribalism. Yeah. And, and one of the things I say in my day job all the time that I think applies to this, let's stop lying to each other, okay? You're a Democrat. You want Democrats to win. And so you're going to come up with and reverse engineer whatever rationalization justifies you voting for whichever terrible person the Democrats nominate. Likewise, you're a Republican. You want Republicans to win. And you're going to do the same damn thing. And maybe if we all just, just agreed we're consenting adults here, Okay, this isn't a convent or a synagogue. It's more like a a 70s key party where we're just randomly choosing who we're going home with. That's more like that. It's just all about self-interest. Just be honest. Absent virtue, self-interest remains. Don't tell. and, And here's how that applies to this conversation. Don't tell me I can't be disappointed by it. And then don't tell me that I should be. You know, I paid for my tickets. 
like anybody, I mean, meaning not me personally, but you know, as a construct, that guy over there, he paid for his tickets. He paid for his ridiculously priced hoodie with the, with the, you know, Herky logo on it, just like you did. And if he thinks Kirk Ferentz tiptoes between the raindrops, whether he gets a half a million dollar bonus for going eight and four or they're 12 and oh, he kind of paid for the right to feel however the hell he wants about it because it costs the gross domestic product of Botswana to be a fan of these teams these days. And likewise, this guy over here, if if the team is six and one and he's like, you know, we should have done better. And when I'm watching a Northwestern with Bowser from Sean and I tailback and a quarterback with half a leg go to Indianapolis, that ain't right for what we're paying the coach. You know what, dude? He's paying the freight. He gets to feel that way as well. And I think if we just, if we didn't feel this need that you have to validate my feelings all the time, that things can be simultaneously true, even if they are in conflict when you're not dealing with, with an objective standard, right? Like you can't have an opinion on whether two plus two is four. You can't have an opinion on gravity. You can't have an opinion on something. What, what, when Ayn Rand used to call the objectives, you don't get an opinion on those things. Those are true. They were true before you arrived on this earth. They will be true long after you're gone. Okay, but when we get into matters of, you know, how should I feel or what's my assessment or even my my more logic based analysis of how might it in your situation, you're away from the team full time. Now you do a full time gig. The game is more of an escape for you now than it was previously in your career when it was your livelihood. And I can say this because the same thing was for me, too. It was funny when I sold off Cyclonation, I actually enjoyed watching Iowa State games more. Because then it was just like, you know, I, I really just like Jamie Pollard as a person. And I looked up on the wall and there's the housewarming gift he gave me. And I love how he, I love what he does with his family. When I was invested in it financially, man, I lived and freaking died with every call. And it put me in a situation where I couldn't avoid getting mad at someone who was a good friend of mine, Dan McCartney. And I hated that. Okay. So in your situation, the logic thing becomes simpler when you're doing a full-time gig and life's going well and you're four states away. I can understand why a guy who's living and dying by everything Rob Howe writes and is and this is his team and he's closer to it and he's at a different stage in his life, why he has a totally different reaction to it. And you know what? Neither one of you are wrong. I just think everybody needs to give when you when you pay, when you're the one paying. You reserve the right, provided you're not a total canoe, you have you have earned the right to respond and feel about this any way you want to. Period. In a sense. I got no problems with that at all. None. Of course, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. What becomes wearisome and goes with the territory um, is it so much of it ends up on my front porch. <laughs> that I'm forced to deal with it. I hear you. And I don't want to deal with the 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 mopes, the the eors of the world anymore. And I'm mm. not going to. Mm-hmm. So yesterday starting this morning actually, I, I, I was gonna make a post. I'm like, don't make a post about this, just do it. Um so I guess here's a post. Um <laughs> I I'm just muting people. I'm not, yep. I'm not even going to block them. I'm just going to mute them. Oh, the the I'm, mute I, feature, I, I, yeah. I'm convinced it's one of the seven seals of revelation is the addition of the mute feature. Yes, yes. yes. And I'm just muting them. I'm, I'm not going to engage them anymore because I don't want to get into name calling because I'm convicted I should not do that. I'm just muting them and I'm checking out. I'm trying real hard, Ringo, to be the shepherd. 
and all too often I want to pull the nine millimeter out, but <laughs> I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> I still want my wallet to reach in there and pull it out for me. I'll tell you what it says. I used to destroy these people when you hosted sound off. Oh, that was, gosh. I, gosh, that was so much fun. You will. That's still one of my all time favorite clips. Oh, you that will. Larry from Bondurant. I had to just throw that one in at the end of this podcast. This is a bonus because I still have the recording somewhere. I'll have to dig it up and find it. He went, well, they, they didn't blitz hard enough. Oh, my gosh. Dude. Oh, my gosh. What's it going to take? What's it going to take get a, to get a championship, Jim? <laughs> I, I literally told a Michigan fan on Twitter today, you're trying to – you're trying to – uh, uh, to to find evidence of me thinking as simplistically naive as you do. <laughs> That's like playing checkers chess when someone's playing checkers. But yes, I've got a mute button that list that is long and undistinguished. If you troll me at all, Unless I can turn it to my advantage, or I feel, or I, or I'm just in the kind of mood that I want to. See, but that's the thing. I'm in that mood a lot. (laughs) That's my default mood, bro. Is to fight. I just, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm out. So I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm just going to mute you. So enjoy, enjoy the, enjoy the hand. You know what, though? Let's say this too. This is where everything's got to be put in perspective. You sent this to me over the weekend. You know, there's eight programs out of 130 right now in the FBS that have won at least eight games the last four years in a row. And Iowa is on that list. Yes. I tweeted that out and you would have thought, I, I mean, it was it was the a target of scorn. There's no bigger fan of the Hawkeyes than the staff at Iowa's premier dish retailer, Big Dog Satellite and Solar. If you can't watch live, there's no better way to record every game than the hopper from Dish. Search or call Big Dog today and ask for the Hawkeye Tailgater Special. You know what's interesting about this is let me let me let me take this into another arena to make this point. Hopefully it's politics and religion, one of those arenas. That'd be no, great. no. You ever been really mad or disappointed at Grace? Like really mad disappointed maybe let's use mary yes mary grace i can't remember any (laughs) and either one of your children then grace or mary you ever been really mad or disappointed or andrea for that matter yes one of those three ever any any one of them ever been really mad or disappointed at you often more so if you even in the moment that you were mad and disappointed at them even if it was justifiable and it required punishment come up it's accountability that it's your job as the dad to provide. Even at that particular moment, if they if if you if they needed dad to step in front of a bullet for them, would you have hesitated? Absolutely not. But does it absolve them of the wrong that they did at the same time? No, it would no. not. No. You know, my you know, you know Anna is a pretty gifted performer. And there's been several times she's talked back to her mom. And there were, and and I and especially at that 13 14 year old age, okay? Where I guess they do the chick thing of like, you know, when when we were boys and thought that we got to be the man of the house and had to be reminded we weren't, you know? So, I, suddenly, I mean, I get up one morning and my princess at 14 years old thought that she was actually the queen bee around the home and had to be reminded several times, no you ain't. You know, and and one of these episodes went on when she was in um Willy Wonka 
at the Playhouse a couple of years or, or four years ago as a Veruca Salt. And uh, I went to, and I mean, she was grounded. I grounded her till oblivion. I, I was like, you're grounded till Jesus comes back. I was so mad. And I went down, but I had to go see her perform that night. And I went down, it was because that's the night we had tickets to her show, went down. Oh, no, she was Violet Beauregard, not Veruca Sol. I'm sorry. She was Violet Beauregard. I went down and she was incredible. And I went and saw her and, I, and after the show and gave her a big hug and daddy's so proud of you and everything else. And then she went out, she had to, she, they had a cast party afterwards. I let her go. She got up the next morning and she's getting ready to go out, you know, and do her thing. I'm like, uh, where are you going, girl? She's like, well, let's go see some friends. I'm like, uh, no, you ain't. I ain't heard no trumpets. <laughs> Jesus comes back. Okay. <laughs> and she looked at me like I was from another world, man, because she thought because she used her talents and gifts in this one area over here to their maximum ability. And I was very proud of her that that meant I was going to overlook the fact she talked back to her mama, who is the reason she even gets to use those God given gifts. Cause she came out of her birth canal. No, it doesn't work that way. You know, I think we're losing in our country and our culture right now, John, is the ability to draw distinctions and multitask. And it's it, it, it's it, it shouldn't be hard to say, you know, when you look at the advantages, the other programs, there's nine programs on that list. And their names like Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, Ohio State have far more advantages and traditions than Iowa does. For Iowa to be on that list is insane. Okay. And then at the same time, in this one particular area, the second half of this season to be disappointed because you know, given the fact they're on that list and are keeping that company, they could have been better than this. It, we used to give ourselves our own conscience, our own minds, permission, and other people permission to draw distinctions, to, uh, you know, to, to have, uh, to be able to mentally multitask. And we're just now in this hot take world where it's, it's just not permitted. And I think we're, we're, we're carving years off each other's lives with stress levels because of it, you know? And I think that's what you're running into and it's not just your fan base. It's the culture across the board. I, I'm going through it right now with my fan base and, and my podcast and my feed and everything else. It's the nature. It's the nature of the beast. You know, two things. I didn't hear no trumpets is one of my favorites now. Number two, <laughs> I was actually sitting here for a little bit thinking I, I must be one of the most lucky men in the entire world. I don't think my wife nor my two daughters have ever deeply disappointed me ever. Mm. ever now I'm a nine-year-old she gets on that nerve but she's bullheaded and God wired her that way and I'm excited to see what it is but at times in the uh the years that we are borrowing her uh it can be a challenge but again I think maybe this is what you just said and I'm just picking up on it disappointment is okay life's full of it how you react to disappointment I think says a lot about you and it's okay to be disappointed, I think, if your team loses or didn't live up to expectations. I don't make the rules, but if that's still lingering like two or three days later, 
and it's going to ruin the next month of your life, that's not disappointment. Mm -hmm. That's idolatry. Mm -hmm. And you need to find a better idol because this one's going to disappoint you again and again and again because it's a football team. I got up Saturday morning and this was the biggest game my team's played in in 12 years since the one versus two game. It's bigger than two years ago when you had the referee controversies because Michigan was more than a touchdown underdog or something in that game. Nobody was picking Michigan to win. Um, And I got up that morning and realized if we've lost this game, I never thought we'd lose it the way we did. But I realized what would happen is all of the national shows, which are all hosted by some form of SEC clickbaiter or shill whose content mostly I enjoy, but I, but I also know they're provocateurs. That's what they do for a living. I'm, I have some of that in my uh, resume as well. So I get it, but I knew that they would, if we lost this game, it would make those shows. I so enjoy listening to in the off season, utterly unlistenable at times for the next eight months. And I was concerned about what my mood was going to be and everything else. And man, I got up that morning and I'm like, God, whatever the result is, don't let me let it ruin the rest of my day or weekend. We got into the fourth quarter of the game and we just played arguably the most embarrassing quarter, that third quarter I've ever witnessed as a Michigan fan ever. Just a national humiliation and the bile is building, man, building. And I'm, 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 I'm going to lose the poop, man. I'm going to lose it. And Ice-T is in one of my ears saying, Mom, I got to die tonight. Someone has to pay for this, okay? And there's this still small voice in my head that says, why don't you find out what time Creed Two is showing and get out of the house? You don't need to sit and watch the rest of this. And I looked at my buddy who um, I've talked about before, went to the same high school in Michigan as me, just 10 years, graduated 10 years or 20 years before I did. And... Um, I looked at him and said, I don't know if you want to be witness to the rest of this. I know you guys just, his, his daughter, they just had a grandkid. They're here for a visit. I'm like, you want to go home and see the grandkid. We don't have to watch the last minute of this. I think I might take Noah to go see Creed and just get out of here. Get away from the post-game show, social media, and everything. Because you want to talk about a feedback loop. A lot of us are going to be justifiably furious. And there's just no way I'm going to subject myself to all that than just turn it off when I go back upstairs and see everybody else. I got to get out of the house for a bit. Not to mention we had been incredibly emasculated. I needed some testosterone. I looked at Noah and I said, do you want to go see this movie? And he looks at me and he goes, I don't know. Are we going to see a man actually win something? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't know where he gets it. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a shock. (laughs) And we got out of the house, went and saw the movie. I got away from this. And here's the thing. I'm not any less disappointed by what I witnessed on Saturday. I was up and I was up watching Amy and I watched the whole AM LSU seven overtime because we just were, this was theater. This was Shakespearean. This game was, it was insane. These teams were converting on fourth and goals and third and goal from the 18. I mean, making 50 yard field goals. It was nuts. And, and while this game is on, you know, a good eight, seven hours after our game ended, I'm now writing my analysis for my site at Wolverine digest. If you go read that, it ain't, it ain't gentle. But you know what? It's not bitter, mean. It's brutal. It's honest. But if I had written that thing at three o'clock, it had been it had been all the same facts, but it had been bitter and it would have been mean. I needed to get away. 
And, and I think that's the other thing too, is we think that I can't like you anymore unless you agree with me on everything. And sometimes we got to like each other in spite of the fact we don't agree on things and give people permission to have differing opinions on things. And then you get on social media when your team lets you down and you all start arguing with each other over, you know, who can hate the coach more than me? Who's going to rip the quarterback harder than I will? I mean, and you know, who's going to defend him more? Who's going to be more naively blind? And back and forth we go. You know what, man? The One of the best decisions I've made as a father and husband in the last month was getting the heck out of the house, not watching a snap of that fourth quarter and going to see Creed too, which was really good, by the way. And I, I just think that there, there's a there's a lesson there for us. We don't have to give up our passion. We don't have to give up our love and devotion to our team. But when we allow it to change what we think is right and wrong, like what we saw at Penn State in extreme situation with Sandusky, or at Baylor, or Ohio State with Zach Smith, uh, or at Michigan State with Nasser. Or we allow it to impact how we treat other people that are that are meaningful in our lives. You know, you used a stained glass window word that, you know, older generations used to understand and newer ones now probably don't hear a lot. But this is when it is idolatry. And what is that? That is just simply, this is my God. This is what I'm conforming to. This is what determines for me how I feel about myself and other people. And that's not being a fan. Now you're in a cult. That's a totally different thing. Yeah, and I'm I'm out of the cult. So if anything I've said or we've said, if it, if it really irritates you and makes you want to fight, please tweet at me and come at me so I can mute you. And just let, let, let's just get her done. Um, I think that for me, my tweeting in well, I will say the last two Iowa games, I was still tweeting during the games, but what I did is I slid the mentions column off my monitor. I could not see the mentions column. I just shut her down for the game and just commented on the game. Um, and then, you know, came in, recorded. Um, and then the next day is when I pick it back up. I enjoy Twitter during the week. I just don't really enjoy it during the game, the interactions during the game because of the um, idolatry, in my opinion. So I think that's smart. You know what they're telling us now in broadcasting is people don't want to listen to callers anymore. And some of it is they take too long to make their point. I think that's the big part. Are shorter. The other is what you just said right there is that um, there's actually a far more growing audience for reasoned analysis, even if it's staunch disagreement. If you look at, for example, CNN's primetime ratings are the lowest of any cable news network in history. And yet in the last two years, they've done those two Ted Cruz, Bernie Sanders debates where those two guys stood there, I think one was on healthcare and the other one was on the budget or something, and they stood there, those two guys with diametrically opposite beliefs, didn't pull any punches on their beliefs, but they also didn't say, Jane, you're ignorant, slut, because it's easy to say that on Twitter, not so easy to say that to a grown man to his face. Exactly. And so they were vehemently lobbing bombs at each other on their beliefs, but it wasn't personal. Those events got like millions of viewers. They're the highest rated events CNN's had other than presidential debates in the last five years. And so I think there is more of a trend to, you know, we're tired of watching people scream and yell at each other. Yes. Um, if, if you, but, but we want some actual disagreement, you know, don't pull your punches. Just don't be a, don't be a canoe about it. 
Yeah, can you, man, uh, that, can, I would not want to be a one-man talk show with uh, callers on the way out because that would require a lot more show prep. Mm. A lot more show prep. Yep. All right, that'll wrap up this installment of the HN Podcast. Uh, for Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.